Alrighty, welcome to Open Sources Guelph here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I am Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico, and joining me is... Scotty Hertz, and uh, Adam, to get our Sim- Simpsons reference out of the way early, I'm full of chocolate. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you gotta do it in the German the accent, though. Yeah, oh, no, so I didn't chocolate. want to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, you did it, that's fine. <laughs> If the boss does it, it's okay. No, it isn't. Uh, it's The Simpsons, whatever. But uh, well, I mean, it's better to do to to mock the little German boy who ex- inexplicably is the exchange student at Springfield Elementary, mm-hmm. uh, than to uh, talk about showing your papers in your in a German accent at an anti-COVID um, lockdown uh, gathering. Did, you know, so again, a topic for another day. But that's, that's, that's something that's, that happened to oh. me recently. Anyway. <laughs> You can tell me about it later, but I, I want to hear that one. All right. <laughs> We're here to talk about movies. Okay. Open Sources is CFRU's political and current affairs discussion show. And you can find us here every Thursday at 5 p.m. as we talk about the latest news items from Guelph, Ontario, Canada, and around the world. And we sometimes interview local newsmakers and politicians. But this week, uh, because it is Christmas in a couple of days, it is time for our annual movies show. We do this thing every year where we talk about two of our favorite political movies uh, as sort of like a year-end break from, well, in recent years, it's just been like a non-stop avalanche of like bad <laughs> news like every week. Yeah. But uh, so it's a little bit of a break uh, from all that. Um, I did take the liberty of <laughs> compiling the top 12 so far. Whoa. Um, yeah. Yeah, because it's like this is the seventh year we've done this, so hmm. mm-hmm. it's now there's now tw- the the list is we we should start like a playlist like on Apple TV or something where people we, yeah can... we could start our own streaming channel and just show these and <laughs> well if the everybody's rights... doing it so my assumption is that the rights for a lot of these are pretty expensive yeah I would imagine so exclusive. some of my picks probably not but. <laughs> <laughs> mine definitely okay so my uh top 12 are w head of this is in no particular order by the way this mm-hmm. is just as 2015 to 2020 what we've done so far w head of state mitt Dix- dixie chick shut up and sing get out don't mess with the zohan they live white house down election parasite lincoln and selma and yours are again in no particular order Borgen, Land and Freedom, Wiener, Suffragette, Saving Capitalism, I, Daniel Blake, Sorry to Bother You, Fahrenheit 11.9, Knock Down the House, Chappaquiddick, The Front Runner, and The New Corporation. Wow. Yeah. And we've never crossed over, have we? There's never been like, we no. both picked the same film. No. There's still time, I guess. We're still doing this gig, so. <laughs> <laughs> For another year, anyway. Yeah. So, uh, I won the coin toss, so I get to get to my first pick. And and I I was I had a feeling about like wanting to do like movies that mean something to a certain subset of people, but they don't necessarily understand what these movies are. And that's kind of, that sounds kind of confusing. So I'll I'll just say the say the name of this film. It is called Falling Down. It is from 1993 directed by Joel Schumacher and it stars Michael Douglas as this man uh, who basically gets fed up and spends the day walking across Los Angeles in a rage um, being violent with people he encounters and the whole thing is phrased like he is a middle-aged white man that is fed up with everything he's fed up with liberalism he's fed up with 
uh, all these immigrants coming to America. He's fed up with showing up at McDonald's and it being three minutes late to order breakfast, which is a literal plot point in the film. Uh, he is fed up with construction. He is fed up with gangs. <laughs> um, yeah. It is. The trailer makes it sound like he's just an ordinary man who's had enough, but the text of the film itself is that he was always sliding towards nutty nuttiness. Like he was always <laughs> sliding towards like a, a psychotic break because um, in it, he's like trying to go home to visit his daughter on her birthday, but there's a restraining order out on him because his wife, like his, his wife literally tells people several different cops who come by her house during the day that like, she is frightened of him. Mm-hmm. Um he seems to not take want to take no for an answer because he keeps calling her from various payphones. This is how you know the film is <laughs> is old. A period <laughs> piece. Yeah, he's constantly stopping at payphones to tell his wife he's on his way. Um, <laughs> and, and you know she's frightened. Uh, you learn over the course of the film his bad attitude actually resulted in him being fired from his job as a defense, like as a at a defense contractor. And you know it's weird because you'd think. Well, if you're trying to build a bit of sympathy for this guy, he could have been laid off because it was 1993. The Cold War was over. Uh, who, who's like, how many missiles do we need anymore? So, um, but no, he was fired because he's a jerk and he's borderline psychotic. As you know, the course of the movie, he basically crosses the border. It's just, I feel like a lot of people who might have gone to January 6th, this is like in their Netflix queue is like one of their favorites mm-hmm. um, because it's a white man who's like fed up with everything. It's like there's, there's a, there's a scene where he goes into a convenience store to get a quarter to use the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and the, and the, the, the gentleman is uh from asia i think he's uh from the philippines it's it's mentioned in the film but he's like well you gotta buy something it's you know pretty reasonable we encounter this in convenience stores all the time it's like well you gotta buy something he's like okay i'll go buy this can of coke and the proprietor's like well that's 85 cents and he's like well i can't get enough change to use the phone booth again 1993 problems um (laughs) and and he's like well the can of coke is 83 cents and so the Michael Douglas character then goes on the rampage. It's like, I am knocking down prices to 1965, which is of course the whole bottom line thesis of this movie is like, you know, when life was great in America, 1965, it's like, well, who was it great for Michael Douglas? <laughs> yeah. And I can picture the poster for this film and he, he did have a 1965 like, crew cut. Yeah. And those certain glasses and the white shirt and the tie. It was Frank like, Grimes. <clears throat> it was Frank Grimes. Grimes people yes. remember that Simpsons episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like he st- he stepped out of time, and and is and time is passing him by, even though there's still things like, as you say, uh, payphones and that. But I think <laughs> I think I actually saw this film at uh, War Mem. They were dating myself when they showed movies at War Mem on a Sunday, <laughs> and uh, yeah, an interesting pick for the student class back then. Um, yeah, I think maybe it it plays probably quite a bit differently beyond the tech things uh, mm. through a 2021 lens, but you're mm. right about the aligning that with January 6th. I can totally picture that, but yeah. now he would stream from his car, right? Now he would have like, a, he would yeah. have a feed from his car and be like trying to reach 
uh, his estranged wife or whoever was on his uh, his yeah, phone, but was- it's a flip phone and he has to go A, B, C, D, E, F, right? Because he's behind the time. Or he'd have a BlackBerry, but he, he would he would definitely have like an, a podcast app on there where he's like streaming Alex Jones and the War Room with Steve Bannon and other things. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, even at the time, this I, I I do wonder how dated this movie was even at the time because 1993 that was a big year. Like the early 90s, there was a lot of black talent. Uh, on like but not just on the big screen but on the tv screen too like this was like fox you know experimenting with a lot of black creators like in living color and mm-hmm. martin lawrence and uh but i'm just not even on the big screen this is the same year that menace to society came out which was the big debut for the hughes brothers um it was uh the same year poetic justice came out which, which was john singleton's follow-up to boys in the hood and um poetic justice was notable for Janet Jackson and Tupac Shakur being the two romantic leads oh, in it. Oh yeah, yeah. It was also You're taking me back there, son. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was also it was also the height of like Wesley Snipes' star power because this year he was in Boiling Point. He was in Rising Sun, uh, where he essentially shared billing with Sean Connery, which is not minor. And he oh. was the bad guy in Demolition Man. But of course, it's also the early '90s. So this entire there's this entire undercurrent in things like demolition man or predator two um of like la is just a few months from going to hell in a handbasket and being like this gangland dystopia where you know it's the whole thing like uh, the beginning of like demolition man literally opens up on a scene of the hollywood sign burning <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's like i think i think they're the pre- the the prologue in demolition man is like 1997 which was like four years later. Yeah. So <laughs> there was this undercurrent of like, it's just a couple of years. LA is done. We're going to have to write it off. It's going to be a violent gangland, like walking dead section of the United States. Well, and of course, you, I was going to say, you would know this. When was escape from LA? Like, is that the same period or escape from LA? Was... Sorry to put you on the spot there, but as, as soon as you said that, I'm like, I'm picturing all these, no, no, no! You're 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 not wrong. I think it was ninety five. So it's within that same general range. Eh? It's right. LA but I mean, is sinking. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Escape from New York was kind of of the same over. Like it comes out in eighty one after like the nineteen seventies, uh, like a decade of you know stories about how New York is urban decay. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, the Bronx is burning. Son of Sam, New York blackout in '77. There's all these stories, uh, taxi driver, and all that. So you know, it, it, these movies sort of pick up on a theme too. But it, it's interesting to note as well. Um, Falling down was shooting in 1992 when the LA riots broke out. And that's so, all in the wake of Rodney King, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so the the, the production of the film was interrupted by this real life thing of this real life explosion of racial tension and violence and of course there's a scene in (laughs) there's a scene in falling down without getting into how he came into possession of a rocket propelled grenade the michael douglas (laughs) character uh gets a rocket propelled grenade and he comes across this construction scene he's gonna blow up this big digger machine with it and he's and he's trying to figure out how to use the rocket propelled grenade he doesn't know how but who comes along to help him out some nice little black boy, because of course all black kids oh. know how to use like 
<laughs> military yeah, grade ordnance, yeah. which is, <laughs> you know, you could never get away with a joke like that now. It's no. and it is treated like a joke. It's like, of course, the kid knows how to use an RPG because he's black and he lives in L.A. It's just it. It just it's it's yeah. very much of its time. But I I also I also question like going back and watching it now because of, of all the things we just talked about. Like even it, of its time, it was still pretty bad. <laughs> Yeah, needs to be watched through a well, not a 1993 lens, but a modern lens, and we can kind of readjust to that. Yeah, I don't. It, maybe these things should come. Maybe it does. The disclaimer is probably about smoking or something, right? But you know, they should really <laughs> like everybody's smoking everywhere. I don't know, you know if buying cigarettes is a plot point, but it probably is, right? Like, yeah. you know, I'm not sure anybody's like really smoking in it. It's, yeah, so it's well, and it's it's <laughs> California too. So it's, well, that's they, that's true. they were well ahead of the curve on that. So. Yeah, like nobody's like even drinking on the job. It's uh, you know, it's, it's because <laughs> you there's can a whole, see anyway. <laughs> there's well, there's a whole subplot about the police and these like hard bitten police who are deeply cynical, except for the one cop played by Robert Duvall, who's like it's his last day on the job, and everybody's sort of written him off as this like old stiff who um, is like half out the door. But of course, he's he's the only one at the police station who manages to you know draw the red string between all these various incidents and come to the conclusion it's one guy <laughs> marauding his On way across rampage. LA. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, of course his I mean it's a, again to show how kind of out of touch the movie was like even maybe at the time Robert Duvall's big character moment is when like, he's been harassed by his wife all day about like coming home because this is the last day on the job and she's worried about him and his big turn is like you know leave me alone I'm on, like I'm still on the job I'm still a cop you know, and like basically because <laughs> she's been a nag the whole day. So him standing up to his his nagging wife is, of course, the so he can go out and be a cop is the big turning point for that character, which is and an, an ancient trope if there ever was one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Let, uh, I want you to talk about your pick now, because uh, I'm I'm I think I'm done talking about falling down. <laughs> Sure. Well, uh, my first pick is uh, about pre that time. Well, pre that time period, but mm -hmm. a modern film mm -hmm. on the basis of sex. Oh, the biopic about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So we said RPG. I'm like, this is about RBG. <laughs> so, Very different. Like moving right along. <laughs> Starring Felicity Jones as uh, the eponymous Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Army mm -hmm. Hammer as her husband, uh, Martin. Mm -hmm. Martin. Mm -hmm. Have you seen this one, Adam? I'll just ask you off the top. I have hard. not seen it, but I mean, it is unfortunate that it's been like a rancid year for anything Army Hammer related. So, Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Again, watching things through a certain lens. Yeah. yeah. You, just, you have to put that kind of put that aside. Yeah. I mean, both both the leads are gorgeous in this, right? It's like it's like I don't think. Ruth Bader Ginsburg actually looked like that. It doesn't matter what she looked like. The acting is is uh, top drawer in this. Mm -hmm. um, also, what were some of the other appearances? I might as well name the stars while I'm on the topic. Sam Watterson playing the, uh, I'm going to say air quotes, bad lawyer for once. Uh, it's very hard to detach <laughs> him from all those years I watched of, of Law and Order late at yeah. night because he just yeah. kind of plays that same character. Erwin uh, Griswold was the lawyer. I'll get to that in a second. And uh, oh, and Stephen Root, one of my favorites, uh, Milton from Office Space. <laughs> That's right. And also, uh, um, I was going to say Dale Gribble, but no, Bill Dotry from uh, uh, King of the Hill. Two and of Jimmy, my favorite things. Jimmy James from News Radio, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. He owned the station. So, 
a few familiar faces in it. Oh, and Kathy Bates as well. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that that's the stars or most of the stars in the film. So anyway, the, it tells the story of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's rise, not quite the period uh, when she was on the Supreme Court, but in the the main focus was in the uh, 1970s. There's a bit of a sort of pre-story as to her being at uh, Harvard Law, and there's a famous real-life picture of the class of Harvard Law. I believe it's in the mid-50s of, of course, it's all the dudes, as described in <laughs> Falling Down, who look like that with the brush cut and the glasses. <laughs> and then on the end is there's this less than five-foot-tall woman that you need to kind of squint to see. And she's the only, she's literally at that time, the only one. I think there had been other women in Harvard Law, but in this particular picture, like it's pretty clear what's going on. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. but obviously, um, you know, super clever. And we, we see that evolving through the film. So anyway, the main, without giving too much away, as we always say, the main uh, case was a sexual discrimination case. But the, the twist in this, and it involved some outside the box thinking, was that it involved a man. Mm -hmm. And the, the 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 premise was, I guess, that if you uh, argue this from a man's point of view, then the result may be better than trying, as uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and others had been for years, arguing about uh, equality, women's equality. Why do these rules exist? Uh, it's that whole kind of, um, what do they call it in the post-war, the, the cult of domesticity, right? Where it was mm -hmm. like, okay, women should just be doing this. Uh, even down to like on the credit card. And I honestly, I, I thought of this one when, when I saw this one was a while ago, it was like mid this year's pandemic, um, which is all the time now. Uh, <laughs> I remember seeing my mother's credit card and it had my father's initial. Mm. So it said, Mrs. F. And I asked her about that. And I said, what's, what's that? And she's like, Oh, that's just how it is. And even as a kid, I thought that was odd. That sounds like a simple thing, but it's significant. It's like your uh, finances as a woman are tied to the male, the breadwinner, right? Mm. So that's a, that's kind of an, an aside, but a, a simple example. So anyway, the, the case, I won't give away the, the whole thing, but it hinged on a man who was being a, a caregiver for his mother. Mm -hmm. and uh, But legally, he couldn't deduct the taxes um, that you would, you know, there was, there was a, a tax benefit to women and nurses and people that did this kind of work for a living. The only exception for a man, I think, was for if he was uh, if it was if he was caring for his wife. Mm -hmm. But if the roles were completely reversed, uh, he couldn't claim it. So, yeah. I, again, I don't want to give too too much away. I think we know how it goes. Um, but an, an interesting approach, and I think that was that was probably uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's uh, strong suit was being able to see this angle and play that angle. And it's, I mean, they do focus a lot on this case, but then, and then they do this kind of you know, montage of the other things, I believe maybe even credit cards are one of them. I'm not sure. Uh, the litany of things that kind of fell apart um, as this case progressed and other cases came up in mostly in the seventies. So it is, you know, her, her peak time was uh, like at Harvard law in the fifties and then raising a, so at some point her has children is pregnant and articling, I think, Mm -hmm. And her husband, Martin, gets sick. So there's the triple um, duties, I guess, as mother, caregiver, and also trying to finish your legal, and which she managed to do. Uh, her husband was a lawyer as well. And I guess, I'm not sure if this is just sort of twist for the film, but supposedly he kind of um, gives her a hot tip about this um, 
legal case about the uh, the tax deductions. So, mm-hmm. but I mean, you can you you can kind of see, and it it's the kind of film that prompts you to want to find out more about this person. Right? There are lots of it's impossible to cover anybody's complete life in a documentary. And this came, she was actually in, in, there is a cameo. Uh, she was involved it was just before she, when did she pass away? 2020, right? Just last year. Yeah. Yeah. Just last year. God's all a blur now. Right. But I think this <laughs> film was 2018. And it, obviously if you're going to appear in it, there's a, I'm not giving too much away. It's like her coming down the steps of the Supreme court, but it's 20, whatever, 17 or 18, whenever they filmed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she was in on this and I think was able to probably coach the English Felicity Jones a bit. <laughs> she does a fantastic job, right? Like it's, you can, you see the characters of all, um, I guess there's, you know, there are, uh, I think progressives that always want more, right? They always want like this, ah, mm-hmm. but I don't think that was, how's that for a descriptor? You know, you know that, ah, but they want, yeah. like, <laughs> they want conflict. They want, and there is, there is, there is conflict in there, but um I would think if, if Ruth Bader Ginsburg was in on the movie, then you're, you know, you're getting what you get. Mm-hmm. Uh, progressive change rather than, I mean, it, it, it shapes up to be radical change in the longer game. You know, this is a 50 year run from her being in Harvard to the present day. Well, more, mm-hmm. give or take, right? 50, 60 years, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. do you play the long game or is it radical change? And I, I, she was associated uh, not directly, but kind of indirectly with the, the uh, you know, radical women's movements of the seventies. Um, not, not in, in a Gloria Steinem way, but you know, there, there was sort of this sphere, which she, she traveled in. Right. So, mm-hmm. but, um, and it's like any, uh, anything like that, there's varying degrees of, of radicalism associated with it. Right. So was she, was she radical for a day? Oh, absolutely. Um, and that was what was her Supreme Court appointment was in it was Clinton, right? I'm gonna say yep. 93. Um, yeah, so yeah, it was quite the run. And having you know fought her own illnesses as well through that, which doesn't make an appearance in the movie. Um, but yeah, I, I in doing the sort of background reading about her and of course hearing about her when she'd passed away, it's like man, she'd been through a lot mm-hmm. and managed to keep keep on going doing the mm-hmm. planking with was it Colbert or whatever she like was showing the exercise <laughs> regimen? Yeah, it's like, yeah, oh it was my Colbert, goodness. yeah. Like try and do that, eh? Be like, I would pull something or die. So, uh, yeah, it's an impressive woman and a, a fantastic story. Yeah, I. It's sort of like on the list of you know, I'll get around to watching that one of those day, one of these days. It's <laughs> uh, it also the long goes, list. It's on the long list, right? It's like ah, I should probably watch it. Well, yeah. the, the list never gets shorter. But... Oh yeah, your list, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's the endless list of movies. Yeah, the, yeah, the list never gets shorter. I mean, it is also, I think it's worth pointing out, it, it sort of comes at a time where there's kind of like the cult of RPG. Um, and there was also a whole documentary um, called RBG, which was based on a book about uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the notorious RBG. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you don't want to talk ill of the dead, of course, but it, it, there has been like a discussion since, you know, she passed away in, September 2020 and before she's even cold they're replacing her with someone who is the complete antithesis of everything that yeah. RBG is and a lot of people you know looking backwards like well maybe if we had like maybe not admired her so much for her resilience and sort of maybe gently sort of encouraged her to leave that seat at a time when it could have been 
filled by someone who wasn't in, like on the opposite end of the ideological spectrum because talk about progressive um we're, we're sitting here at the end of 2021 and it looks like there's certainly going to be regressive um not even just like a, a, a stop to further progress for women's rights but an actual regression of women's rights in the united states um especially on the issue of abortion and of course like who's getting that now but Stephen Breyer because there's a lot of people leaving on leaning on Stephen Breyer like dude if you're gonna retire now's the time so we don't get like a seven to two mm-hmm. <laughs> conservative court and of course um a lot of these old older judges are, are still of the opinion it's like no no it's like we're a nonpartisan court like come on what are you even talking about and I think I think a lot was made that because Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Antonin Scalia like went on vacation together and it's like, well, it's like, like that, that's, those are nice stories, but I mean, it mm-hmm. also doesn't reflect the political rea- a, a political and activist reality in the United States right now. And yeah. And they, what was the other thing? They both really liked opera. This is from the other movie, yeah. like Notorious yeah, yeah. RBG, but which I've also seen, but yeah. And that's, and yeah. Are you a, are you a consensus builder? Are you actually evaluating the law or is it political? And this is the, you know, the great question that not only just in the States, but everywhere, mm. is it like, what is the bias of judges in the, in the U S a lot of judges are elected, right. Mm. But then mm. you're appointed to the Supreme court. Is it a structural problem with the thing itself that there is this divide? I'm not even sure whether initially when the Supreme court came about was, was, you know, was the intention to have that divide, but that is the, the divide that has evolved with it. Right. And it's one of the faults of it too. And you could say the same thing about, I don't know, the Canadian Senate, you know, like people are just appointed. Right. It's like, well, what did you do to get this job? Is it partisan? Is it because of your politics or are you a, you know, and it does happen at least with um, the Senate that, you know, there are, there are seasoned people and it doesn't totally matter what their politics are, but you know that they would be a good pick because they would be this, um, what, not sober second thought, I guess, but the, the, you, you could do this, you could do a neutral analysis of things rather than this um, mm-hmm. polarization, which is when anything, when any hot button stuff comes up at the Supreme Court in the US, it's always, well, particularly Roe v. Wade, which is probably coming due and some of the more ridiculous laws coming out of uh, Texas and other places, I think that mm-hmm. Notorious RBG would just be shaking her head, <laughs> right? So... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it's an interesting capstone, the movie on the basis of sex uh, to an interesting woman. It shows like how, you know, there used to be a time where you could maybe be, you know, she she looked for those cases where she could turn an issue and flip it on its head. And it's like, well, now if you look at it this way, you can understand the point of view from the 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 the, the groups looking to advance their rights because here's a unique situation where the people who usually don't have to question about whether their rights are observed are uh, unduly affected. And she was really clever that way. And I'm not sure in this day and age, one can be sort of clever in, <laughs> in that same way. If there's, there's not room to be clever anymore in this world, I, I, I find that concerning. Oh yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Well, let's take a quick break and uh, come back with picks number two. You are listening to CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community.
This is not a phase. Here comes, here comes, here comes the day. That was our Royal Cat Records pick of the week. Royal Cat Records 21 Magdanelle in the downtown. These days, I would definitely call for availability, as it is a fluid situation in town. <laughs> It'll be even more fluid by the time this episode. By the time this airs, will be like, we don't know. Anyway, that was uh, Keisha from the movie um, on the basis of sex. It's uh, plays over the credits, I believe. Plays over the end credits. Wink. Uh, and the song is called. <laughs> it was written purposely for the film called "Here Comes the Change." I think it's Kesha, actually. Kesha. Kesha. Okay. Pretty sure it's Kesha. Yeah, this I'm I'm uh leaning back into my uh falling down <laughs> era. <laughs> my his gap between the fifties and when that film was made is the same as mine from like the early nineties and now. So it's like a it was an old man hurts moment. Kesha. Is it a dollar is she the one with the dollar sign in her is she the one with the dollar sign in her name? There's an old man yes. thing to say. It yes. is okay. She is. And that gives like an accent. And... Is that like a you know never mind <laughs> i i wish i knew um but i mean she is you know your love is my drug that's one of her big uh, hits and yeah that was couscous with the song i don't know there you go that's <laughs> <laughs> save it for your sea joy audition okay yeah um, oh, they'll love that yeah <laughs> uh okay it's not exactly the peach boys is what i'm saying um <laughs> to the number two picks uh so i i started the last round why don't you start this round with your number two pick okay well my number two pick and uh adam you're you're well uh aware of this film i know you are because it is the topic of guelph politicast number 141 and i had to look it up filmmaker (laughs) astra taylor speaks to adam a donaldson about her movie what is democracy Oh, yeah. And this film is uh, available for streaming tvo.org. So if you live in Ontario, you can watch this no problem. I'm sure it's available in other places. I want to say NFB, but I'm not totally certain about that. So since you know about this one, it'll make uh, things easier for the both of us. <laughs> be like, what's that film? Uh, but it, it, it's a good one. It's uh, I was... It was something I was doing for a while, just kind of uh, between TVO and other streaming services that are kind of free-ish, but also educational. I'm like, what's what's worth watching? And this was, again, a pandemic. I would call our pandemic picks or, or whatnot. But I had heard of Estrella because I know this this film was definitely at the Guelph Film Festival, right? That's what prompted your that's, interview? That's what, yeah, was behind the interview, yeah. Yeah. So the premise of this film, and it, it starts with a question and kind of ends with a question because what is democracy? It's actually what is democracy question mark. And that is the question. Uh, Astor Taylor kind of does this a tour focusing on not only the past kind of rooted in uh, Plato's Republic. It's more of a political philosophy film which i think is what makes it interesting because it's Mm -hmm. that's not something that a lot of people think about we hear about the philosophers of the past like plato and sophocles and it's like it's it's so long ago i mean that we're we're talking what is that uh 300 bc or something to that Mm -hmm. effect it it is that long ago Mm -hmm. but so the 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 principles and some of the things that were discussed even that long ago still apply and there are lots of uh folk including some that make an appearance in the movie, like Cornell West, um, mm-hmm. Angela Davis, 
and I'm going to completely forget the name of the Italian philosopher that's in the film. <laughs> uh, who, uh, yeah, they, that's um, another interesting part of it. So at some at one point, Astrella goes to Greece, and she talks to a bunch of, I believe, philosophers and affiliated like. Um, I'm not sure if there's some parliamentarians in there about you know, what is democracy and also the, what is the painting called? It's called the allegory of good and bad government, right? This right. fresco. So not only does it, it go from philosophy, but also into art and saying, okay, here is a, a fresco from 700 years ago that kind of lays out how democracy should go and the elements that are in there. Um, and that, may sound a bit like a we'll call it an art film for lack of a better word but where where i think where it really speaks to the people which is what democracy should be about uh is when she goes to not just the philosophers and the educated and intellectuals but i what i found really interesting about the film is that she's willing to go and talk to a barber Mm -hmm. or people who are refugees or students and uh, there's some hospital workers in there, doctors and and nurses and whatnot. And, uh, oh, there is a scene in the factory too, where she speaks to factory workers who who work for a cooperative who were, I think, initially refugees, either economic or otherwise. Mm. And to me, that's where it, that's where it really shines. It is always interesting to hear what Angela Davis and Cornell West have to say. Um, I'm a big fan of Cornell West and it was good to see, uh, Angela Davis when she came to campus when we used to be able to do these things um, so it, it, it's a shorter move it's less than two hours I think it's like an hour and ten minutes uh, no, no, 110 minutes um, but she really manages to jam a lot into that in terms of the you know questions asked and you're really important and kind of stressing the importance of how we do need to like talk about these things, how politics, I think as she put it, and I, this I think I may be quoting her from the interview you had with her mm-hmm. politics being a way of life uh, rather than, and not, it doesn't have to be the, you know, your most, your complete focus of life. It is for us. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's a complete focus for us, but it is a part of our lives that we, we pick apart political things. And I think the implication is, is that, you know, more people, you know, the barbers and the students and the hostel workers and everybody should have some kind of political mindset to take with them into their lives. Um, maybe that's democracy. I don't know. Like I said, it ends with the question. It's like, well, what is it? Yeah. You're left with like, well, it could be this. It could be that, right? So. Well, I mean, there's the film is sort of, if I'm, rem- I, I don't think I've seen it since it's been that, a while that, yeah but 2018 you know, i think it was yeah yeah so i mean the, the film what the film does is sort of like make you wrangle with the idea it's like well what does it mean to be political what does it mean what does democracy mean to you so it, you know for her to go out and talk to like regular folks but also at the same time to go back to like the origins of things like she's in like this sort of art gallery where that painting is and it's like this kind of hallowed hall <laughs> which um hmm. is you know, kind of the complete opposite of what's depicted in the painting, if I'm remembering correctly, which is just like this messy, uh, like shout fest in, in you know, in, in antiquity, um, which yeah. is how these things, you know, used to be sorted out. We get this idea that, you know, democracy is supposed to be like 
everyone's following the high school debate rules where everyone's being kind to each other. Well, not necessarily. People also think that democracy is like, well, I vote every four years or whenever, and that's like Mm -hmm. the end of it. And well, is that democracy? I remember, and it it always sticks in my mind. And I was at a a town hall back when, you know, we could go out, go go out (laughs) to venues or town halls. Yeah. But it was about the the whole 106 Beaumont uh, proposal to use that land to build supportive housing, and it, like the neighborhood felt kind of blindsided by it. So there was a big town hall that Dan Gibson held, Councillor Dan Gibson. And in the course of the meeting, he said something to the effect of like, "You should be able to trust city council to, like, just like do the work, and you don't have to pay attention." And, and I understand oh, what really? he meant. I understand what he meant is like, you know. Like basically, it was essentially like you should be able to depend on city council not to like throw these new radical ideas for your neighborhood just to throw it up in the air and all of a sudden this becomes something you think about. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, it's also kind of a bad attitude to have about democracy. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, you go and vote for your city councilor, then you st- then you don't worry about it for four years. That's that's not right either. It, you know, and it's. It's a question of like, what is politics? Is it partisanship? Um, is what somebody like, is, is what some, you know, Ted Cruz does, is that politics? Um, like, where you, he's going to hold up every single ambassador that President Biden is trying to nominate? Is, is that being political? Is that democratic? Well, I suppose in like the bare bones definition, but, or is he just being a jerk? <laughs> yeah. It, I, you know, there, there are a lot of these questions which we should reckon with and we should. I would love to see a Ted Cruz interview where somebody says to him, like, you holding up ambassadorships, like, are, are you like doing good, honest, democratic work on behalf of your yeah. constituents doing this? But of course, he's not going to do that. And he's certainly not going to put make himself available to a venue where he, somebody's going to have to like seriously ask those questions. The closest he gets to is like Chuck Todd, which I would, <laughs> I would say at this point, uh, meet the press hosted by Chuck Todd barely qualifies as journalism at all, but that's just <laughs> my personal opinion, but yeah, you're not wrong, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that that's, what's really great about that movie. And I did look it up while you were talking, you can get it on NFB yeah. and I would encourage everyone uh, to get the NFB app. Um, on your streaming device or on your smart TV, because I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of really good stuff and the majority and of it free. is free. Yeah. The majority of it is free. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I don't think even in non COVID times, the old screening room down at um, oh, Gerard yeah. street is, yeah, is there yeah. anymore? No, which, which is a shame because I love that little screening room. Uh, oh yeah. Harkening uh, uh, back, but, yeah. but <laughs> yeah. it's, the, it is fantastic. That's all out there. And I, I kind of, yeah, it, it's great that it, it exists as a free or free-ish resource. Actually, I think if you're a student, you can watch anything on the NFP. There's like a student option. You just need to log in via your institution, an institutional yeah. login. I don't know what do you call it, but uh, yeah. So that's <clears throat> what you're saying about uh, Cruz and that it, it is kind of spoken about in the film sort of, and, and Dan, to bring it super local, Dan Gibson as well. Like, do you just sort of defer to the people that are elected? And, but then, the deeper structural issue is like, why do we have this? Why do we have this where you just sort of give it over to these people, walk right. away. And then you could almost say like about the, the com- uh, it's not even a complaints system, but it's, there are a lot of people that are willing to gripe a lot 
about right. politics, but they won't do anything. They won't necessarily reveal who they support or every, you know, everything is terrible. Everybody is bad. It's like, well, that's not necessarily true. And the, the, so it turns it on its head and says, okay, so what are you doing about it? Yeah. And regardless, regardless of your politics, what is your activism in that? Is, is it, are you just sort of defaulting to, I get on social media and gripe about politics and things, or am I actually uh, involved in and doing stuff? And that's strongly implied in this. And it, it, there, I think there's one point in it where one of the philosophers says, you know, the original intention of the Greek uh, plan was that anybody can be in politics. And they had yeah. a system where it was like they had a, they, you know, the community would draw lots yeah, or something, some system like that where it's like, okay, you know, the the plumber is is now in charge of making decisions, or yeah. the the person that that mucks out the toilets or whatever. I mean, I'm just, I guess the plumber does both those things, but you know what I'm saying there. It's like, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it always goes back to the trades with me. No, but you know, you know what I mean. It's like, yeah, there used to be a shared be responsibility. Yeah, yeah. There used, yeah, and and I mean that goes. We see it in like democratic traditions, like choosing the speaker. And we we saw that last month when you know they 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 you know they had the election to choose the speaker and there's this, this whole ceremonial thing where the prime minister and the leader of the opposition, quote unquote, drags them to the front, which is mm-hmm. you know now it's this jovial thing. It's like oh, they're dragging me to the speaker's chair. That was a real thing in like, um, you know, back post post Renaissance yeah. England when they set up Parliament, you did not want to be the speaker because <laughs> it would get you killed by the arbiter of all this stuff. Like, it's <laughs> now you become a rock star, right? Order, order. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, yeah. now you're on cameo. <laughs> doing, <laughs> Coming doing soon, to open sources. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> we always talk about it. Okay, yeah. uh, my second pick is, is sort of keeping with my theme with the first one. Um, it's White Squall. And can, can Scotty, do you know why it chose White Squall? No. It is the origin of the QAnon mantra, where we go one, we go all. Oh. It's in White Squall. Um, and it, I think that QAnon, whoever started that or whoever started the where we go one, we go all thing, I'm pretty sure they only watched the trailer um and thought wow that sounds pretty cool <laughs> because yeah, like, the best line is always in the trailer right they pull it out and they yeah. just yeah well also in the trailer is the line the calm before the storm which is never uttered in the movie because the whole thing about white squall is that they happen upon it quite suddenly and it doesn't happen until like the last third of the film like the vast majority of the film is this sort of like coming of age story it's about all these these like dozen young high school guys who go to sea for a semester under the command of uh jeff bridges who's the skipper and they all call him skipper i Mm. i can't i can't remember his real name but he has one but they all call him skipper and so they're on this ship the albatross and they're sailing around the uh the caribbean um and he's teaching them the value of i mean it's for people who may remember the YTV show Breaker High, which is about a high school on a cruise ship, <laughs> White School is essentially like the 1961 version of Breaker High, but they're on like a wind sailing ship mm. <laughs> and it's all boys. Um, but yeah, it, it's like this like very ordinary coming of age tale. And it's like it's got like people who are kind of famous now, like Scott Wolf, Ryan Philippe, Jeremy Sisto. Um you know they play all the young guys in it and you know it, it's they they're each coming into this with like their own 
drama and their own, you know, their own reasons for wanting to be on board. Like for Scott Wolf, it's like he's trying to uh, make a name for himself. Like he's trying to pad his resume for for college. The the Ryan Phillippe character, Gil, he's he's like the surviving son of from this family. His older brother died and falling from a tree, actually, and so he's trying to man up, essentially. Uh, you know, so everybody has their own reasons for being on the ship and they come to become this cohesive force They become a crew over the course of the film. And they all rally around this, uh, this ethos that the skipper has imparted in them where we go one, we go all. Um, and it's on the bell. It's on the, the bell on the albatross, the albatross. It's where we go one, we go on. So when, the, when you rig the bell, you think of the line and, yeah, is it the it, initials or the whole slogan? Because the, the whole slogan. Are, oh my goodness, that's a lot of engraving. Yeah, yeah, it's the whole slogan. Uh, somebody like the engraver made made a mint that day. Uh, if he charges by by the character, um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah it, it most of this movie is this like boys being boys and look at us we're sailing and that there's this one sequence where they they host some uh, like a. Uh, a, a party of like Danish girls where they ferry them from one island to another. Um, so, you know, there's all this kind of typical teenage stuff happening and then boom, they hit this white squall. It comes out of nowhere. It capsizes the ship and sinks it. I think f- six people die, including a couple of the the boys, but they're rescued and it ends up in a courtroom, of course, where the skipper is sort of put on, well, it's not trial, but he's, he's sort of uh, determining whether or not he can keep his license as um, this as, as like a mariner. Mm-hmm. And it comes down like the boys, because they've been. Set, I was going to say brainwashed, but not quite. <laughs> they, they, they've, they've come to believe in this ethos where we go one, we go all. They're sticking together and they're trying to help the skipper get off by by not putting by, by making sure that the court knows the quote unquote court knows uh, it wasn't his fault. They all bear responsibility. And, and of course there's this big sequence where the skipper gets up. It's like, no, it was my ship and my responsibility. And he, and he takes out his license and he gives it to the, the judge. And he's like, uh, you know, I, I hear if this is what it takes to end this, here's my, my license. And Scott Wolf gets up and he goes, no, you said where we go one, we go all was that BS. <laughs> and it's, it's like this touching sequence where it's like, Oh, I am Spartacus. <laughs> essentially. But I oh, mean, captain, my captain or Oh, yeah. skipper, my skipper. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's one would think that it is firmly about this, like ethos of uh, mm. just from what, like what QAnon has taken from this, this like mantra where we go on, we go all. And what the end of the movie does is like really test is like, was it all BS? Was he like just like feeding them a line and all this like like traditional masculine sort of ideals, like you work as a team and <laughs> um, like there's a whole sequence where Gil, who is agoraph- uh, acrophobic because of mm. you know, his, his big brother falling out of a tree and dying where the skipper pushes him to climb the mast um and you know gil kind of uh like he has a break he has this kind of like mental break because the the skipper is like is like yelling at him climb the mast climb the mast and he ends up peeing himself because he's so frightened Mm. and later uh one of the crew members is kicked off um 
because of an, an incident where he kills a dolphin and the other boys sort of come to his defense. It's like, well, he's struggling with stuff too. He's like, he's got his, his dad is like breathing down his neck. And of course the big sort of inspirational moment from that is as the, the guy, Frank is being kicked off the ship. Gil climbs up to the top of the mast and rings the bell. And, you know, <laughs> to, sh- to show, <laughs> you know, we can't overcome. <laughs> and Yikes. It's, it's, <laughs> and you're watching this and it's like, it's so bad. It's so, yeah. and it's like, how does like a democracy threatening force come out of this stupid movie <laughs> here's a film you should watch it's stupid but you know yeah i mean it's not i mean ridley scott made it so it is like it is like beautifully for photographs yeah so it has all the elements right i i i haven't seen this film but i, I remember the preview and i think we're we are definitely in the, the 90s Yes, it's 90s. I see yeah. like hunky ni- or people, men who are considered hunky in the 90s were are in this movie, right? Is that mm-hmm. well, what you describe? But also, I don't know why I, I that stuck with me somehow. But it's <laughs> it's you're there is a the formula is there from what you're just describing from what I vaguely remember from this trailer, which only QAnon people watch now would seem <laughs> yeah. along the lines of like Perfect Storm, right? Or maybe yeah, the hint of Lord of the Flies, yeah. And then it, that, I don't know if they ever made a film of it, but that, uh, the Australian, were they in Australia? The boys that took the boat and then disappeared for seven years and then come back. And there's always this sort of like, we, we left as boys, but we came back men, right? Yeah, it's an old, yeah. old, yeah. possibly the oldest, every war film, right? You know, it's the Odyssey. It's yeah. the Odyssey. It's yeah. the Odyssey. <laughs> it's the Odyssey. But it's, and correct me if I'm wrong, was this, mm-hmm. was this based on reality as well? Is there yeah, like an element? Yeah, it's based on I don't know why, story. when you said that, I, uh, I'm like, yeah, this is ringing a bell. Ha <laughs> ha, it's ringing a bell. I didn't mean that. <laughs> and, <laughs> and inscribed on the bell is, where we go one, we go all. Anyway. And don't you forget it. Yeah, I'm surprised <laughs> bells haven't appeared at the anti-everything uh, marches, or have they? I I don't know. I mean, and that's what makes me think it's like it's from the trailer because the whole th- the, the, the bell survives. Spoiler alert. The bell survives the sinking oh. of the albatross. And the the one the kid who gets off who, because he kills the dolphin. It's his father who basically is like bringing these charges against the skipper. And in the like the in, in the courtroom scene, um, Scott Wolf, who who's playing the character who who wrote the book this is based on oh. he, he gives him the bell so he remembers so frank remembers where he came from In and how he was a crew on the ship he gives him the bell remember frank where we go one we go all and if does sam, <laughs> does sam watterson show up <laughs> he should have he should have um, probably remember the sounds of it i can picture had, without seeing this film i can totally picture this courtroom scene without like they, uh, they had him on standby but i mean it's <laughs> It's just it's it's a Ridley Scott movie, and of course it's like in the, in his phase where it's like he he made Thelma and Louise in ninety two, oh, and yeah, then he, yeah. he came back yeah. with Gladiator in two thousand. So it's like in this like lull period for him, but I mean the craft's still there, and I I, I appreciated the craft because you you could almost is it did, in the was it his I need some money period <laughs> or like, it's like <laughs> I think well I, maybe I'm just actually, had some downtime right like oh, i think well he always was able to work like i don't yeah. it's just like in terms just like creatively it was not a great period for him but of course it also and you know it ends with a sting ballad like there's this loving sting ballad oh yeah custom where, written for the movie kind of like the <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Kesha one. And it plays over the end credits as you watch the boys because uh, they go ashore at one point and they're kind of they're they're shirtless and they're basically playing Lord of the Flies and they find yeah. this time capsule, this log book where all the crew of the Albatross have signed it. And in so, blood. Well, no, they didn't sign it in blood, but um, like it's filled with old pictures and things. And so when they open yeah. the book and they go to the page, the last page to add their um, their record of their time on the Albatross, what do they write? Where we go, one we go all. That's right, they do. Ah, I feel <laughs> like I've seen this movie. Yeah, and right. then they all sign it, and then they all sign it like, like it, almost like a QAnon oath being spoken oh. by General Flynn and his family around a campfire on Independence mm. Day. So I so originally eh? those cute people. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 incredible that this movie will like now it's attached forever to this like insane like conspiracy theory where they're like people in Dallas waiting for the return of of mm. JFK and all of all the celebrities who've lo- we've lost over the years. But it all starts with this silly movie about boys doing a high school semester on a sailing ship um, who are so under the sway of Jeff Bridges that um, where we go one, we go all. It's just, it's, it's incredible. I, I, I encourage everyone to watch this movie <laughs> because I think if QAnon people watch the movie, um, they'd they be like, not. "What the hell was that?" <laughs> yeah, it would be it would be that crusty moment. It would be that crusty moment. It's like, "What the hell was that?" There's nothing about fighting satanic pedophiles anywhere. <laughs> oh, I so want to watch this film now. Put it, I'll put it on the long list because that's uh, probably here's the longs, thing. But you can find it on Hoopla for free. The oh. the, the the streaming service that the yeah. li- that Guelph Public Library is a part of. Mm-hmm. So you just like go to Hoopla. You log in with your library account, and boom, you can watch white squall all day long well maybe not all day but uh, i might give it a <laughs> shot i might watch the trailer again just for the hell of it to see what's oh know, the trick like, that's that's like, where yeah. the yeah that's where the i probably saw is. that in war memorial hall as well <laughs> on film <laughs> <laughs> one of these days we'll be able to go back to war oh, and watch movies. So. it'll be digital but yeah it'll be worth it well <laughs> that's debatable but that's it for this week's show we hope you liked it and uh merry christmas to one and all uh however you're celebrating uh maybe you want to put on a movie (laughs) maybe it's going to be white squall i don't know (laughs) but uh stay tuned because uh next week we have our year-end award show as well in the meantime you can find us on our website uh opensourcesguelph.com we're on the facebook at open sources newswire and we're on twitter at os underscore guelph if you would like to listen to the show again, download it from our website every Monday at the Guelph Politicast channel on Podbean or get it through your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. You can find me personally at Adam A. Donaldson on Twitter and Instagram, and you can check out my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. I'm Scotty Hertz on Facebook, Scotty Hertz on Twitter. For all CFRU information, check out cfru.ca and uh, best of the season to one and all. And stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. We shall return next Thursday at 5 p.m. for more open sources, and we will see you then. 